Got a lot on the show for you today. Uh, we have quite a panel with us as well today, as well as our regular panel of Daniel, JP, and Sean. Joe Lonergan is back with us a little bit later on to talk about a couple of interesting features of of Jaws that maybe you haven't uh, used so much before. Jaws, of course, is probably the best known of the screen readers, but of course, that's more than just there's more than just reading text off a screen that's involved. It's helping you navigate the entire environment, and there some of those functions that are maybe a little bit less well known. So Joe is going to be talking about that a little bit later on. Screen Shade and Picture Smart are two of the features that he's going to be discussing with us. As well as that, we have Hilary Devlin back with us as well. And this time Hilary is going to be talking to us about a really versatile device from Humanware called the Connect 12, a device that's often used in the in the education setting, but we'll see some other applications of that as well and how exactly that works. So we look forward to that as well. Of course, we're going to have our tech help section later on, as well as our quick tips as well this week. So if you want to, us to discuss anything in particular in our tech help section or for future weeks for our quick tips, if you want to get in touch with us, you can get in touch at labs at ncbi.ie. If you'd like uh, a bit of support or if you have a question or a comment or you want to give us any feedback or you can use the question and answer panel on the right hand side of the screen if you're using Microsoft Teams. So we've got quite a, a packed show ahead of us, but before uh, some of our, our main topics today, what we want to do is uh, get to our meet the team section. So this week we've got Seamus Brett, who's going to be talking to us. Uh, so we'll ask Seamus if, if you can unmute yourself there, Seamus. And uh, I know you've been looking forward to this very much, Seamus. You're very welcome. Thanks very much, uh, Jude. It's good, it's good <laughs> so to be here and glad to be invited on. Yeah, great to have you on, Seamus. So tell us a little bit about um, just how long you've been with NCBI, where you're working, things like that. OK, well, um, I joined NCBI in 1999 in my current role um, as a rehabilitation and IT worker. Um, I'm based in County Sligo and I cover the areas of Donegal, Leitrim and Sligo. Um, but previous to that, I did work with NCBI um, as a community resource worker from 1996 to 1997 as well. Okay, very good. So maybe you could tell us just a little bit of your your background. Then, what was the um, story before you joined NCBI? What what sort of um, what area were you interested in, or what were you what were you doing in college, or any of those sort of things? Okay, um, well, I suppose I was one of those people that when when I was a younger person, I didn't have a, I hadn't a clue what I wanted to do in life. And um, I suppose the advice at the time was to people like me was to um, try and study something you like that you're interested in and also to do something very general. If you don't know what you want to do, do something generic and then you can specialise when you do know. And I think that was very good advice for someone like me. So I suppose I started off by ended up doing um, a BA degree in English history and philosophy um, starting out. 
which didn't qualify me for anything, but it was just a, start, a good starting point. Yeah. Um, and I enjoyed it. And then afterwards, I was doing kind of bits of work, working with in different jobs that came up and, and voluntary work and different things. And along the way, I kind of found out that I like working with people. And I suppose specifically, I found that I liked working in a role where I can help other people. And yeah. um, I know I did a, I did a, a kind of a volunteer stint with the Simon in Cork, Simon Community, and I absolutely loved it. It was absolutely fascinating. It was completely off. There was no rules at all, but it was wonderful working with people um, who were on the margins of society and you got an insight into life. That was it was incredible and I never forget it. Um, yeah. But I, I, coming from that, I realised that I like working with people and I wanted to work in a role where I could help other people. So following on from that, I went on and I did a H higher diploma, I suppose, in social studies. And after doing that, I then worked again with homeless services for a while. I worked with young people and I worked in community development before coming to NCBI. So I quite a very a varied background, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting though, just as you're describing that, just that kind of process, I think a lot of people go through of just trying to work out what they want to do. But that thing of wanting to work with people and help people was clearly a, a strong thing in your life beforehand. It, it came very clear but when I was in secondary school, I really didn't know and I have great sympathy for younger people nowadays because the amount of courses and things, the options are so vast and so wide that, you know, whereas my time there might have been maybe Seven or eight hundred courses. Now there's maybe seven or eight thousand courses if you go international as well or whatever. There's so yeah. many options. So I suppose the only advice I'd ever give to the next generation I talk to, I say, whatever you like doing, that's the way to go. Choose what you like. Don't do something you, that you don't like. You yeah, know. interesting. And mm. and I'd imagine as well that that kind of um, that thing that you discovered about yourself that you liked to help people and work mm. with people, um, that certainly would have found a kind of a good home in NCBI. So what does your role at NCBI involve at the moment? OK, well, I suppose my role um, is, is quite a broad role. It has two, largely two parts in it. Um, it's mostly IT, which would be I what we call it, AT, you know, AT training and AT support, both with individuals and with groups. Um, so that would be a big part of my role, um, yeah. you know, by phone, by email, by telephone, and now online using Microsoft Teams um, and be before the, this period of lockdowns and that, mostly face to face as well. Um, and the other part of my role would be providing orientation and mobility training. Um, and currently I provide orient orientation and mobility training for anybody who needs it in County Sligo. Um, okay. Like in so, every county. So what does that involve? What sort of things does the orientation and mobility training involve? Well, I suppose in every county there's at least one member of staff who would be trained to provide orientation and mobility training. So when the a person is referred to NCBI and the community resource worker would do their initial assessment, some of the areas they will look at would be how they're managing in both familiar environments and unfamiliar environments. How is their general mobility, their level of confidence in that? And if that's flagged as an area where somebody is saying, well, I have difficulty in my local area now, I'm afraid to cross roads or I am I need help in, in unfamiliar areas or whatever, the community resource worker will then discuss and say, well, we have somebody who's trained to work with people and to assist people to build confidence in areas like mobility. Um, and would you be interested in talking to that person and seeing and they could discuss the options with you? 
and give you yeah and if someone is is like it's never mandatory but if someone is interested in pursuing that then they would be referred to me say in in, in county sligo and i would get that referral and i'd be i'd initially maybe make a phone call and then i would usually meet them face to face i'd have all their i suppose information and my bit of homework done beforehand um i discussed the difficulties and then i might get them if they're willing to come out uh, into the local their, either their local area or the local town and observe them how they work in a, in a real environment road crossings curbs um other pedestrians obstacles all of those things different lighting conditions um then we talk about it and say this is what i observed and then we say i give them the options you know either it's kind of how to use the residual vision to the most best effect or maybe looking at using a mobility aid like a symbol cane or a guide cane or a long cane and providing some training in that but it's all about building confidence for the person to reach retain their independence um and not to lose more ground basically yeah very good so with with that would you find that like there are general rules and techniques that if you learn these you'll be okay in any environment or does somebody also need maybe training in sort of a specific place or is it a bit of a mix of both I think it's, it's it's a bit of a mix of, of both. Um, I think everybody's everybody's an individual, so um, you kind of start with the individual, what the individual, you know, what they're willing to do, what they're interested in doing, and then you look at what they can do currently and with the level of vision they have. And then you, there is like set techniques for using a long cane or sighted guide or the, the, the mobility, the set techniques, and you will use the set techniques, but you adapt them to each person and you always do it in conjunction with the burden. So the burden is agreeable. And if the person isn't, you know, you work with the person rather than saying this is the way it is. So I would yeah. never be a completely by the book person. I would say this is what the standard recommended approach is. What are you happy with? What will work for you? So, yes. you know, it's kind of it's a mixture of both, really. Yeah, very good. So that's the kind of orientation mobility side. And as you as you mentioned, you're you're doing a lot of um, IT support as well in this changed environment as well. Anything particular you're working on at the moment? Well, I suppose there's, I suppose there's, there will be two things that come to mind that, you know, I suppose like everybody in this, in this period of COVID-19, uh, like I've had to, and everybody has had to try and adapt to a new situation and try and see how, how many services, how much of our services can we provide remotely um, and online using things like Microsoft Teams. Um, and I suppose, you know, that that's been challenging, but I suppose it also has, we've discovered that you can do quite a lot online. A lot of yeah. stuff can be delivered virtually, not everything, but a lot of things can. I suppose two things that are coming to mind will be with, I work with some with, with young school children and that, and we've been, I've been asked to get them, I suppose, got involved with providing, I suppose, assistive AT training with children, either in the school holiday period or in the evenings um, to children using Microsoft Teams and they would log on to get an email with a link to to join a meeting like this one and yeah. they would come on and they would do different courses like the, I suppose some of the course we've done would be Microsoft Word with keyboard shortcuts and we're I think starting this evening we're doing another one on file and folder management which with keyboard shortcuts and it's just it's open for any child uh, in the whole country who or if a parent feels that their child is maybe would benefit from this they can you know they, they, they can log in and, be, and, and join that class so that's been very um it's been challenging but very rewarding as well i just find the kids enthusiasm to learn is, is wonderful and you just get an energy from those young people it's, it's, it's brilliant yeah. 
for, very good. So for that one, if somebody is listening and they're kind of they're thinking actually somebody in their family might be interested in this, um, do they contact their their local um, IT trainer? Do they contact their local CRW? Yeah, if they have contact with their local IT trainer, they could ask them and say, listen, I've heard that there's kind of courses for children, you know, offered in the school holidays or in an evening time. Um, you know, could you kind of get me involved or LinkedIn if they're not already LinkedIn? Now, uh, they also, if they have a children's worker, most children will have a, an NCBI children's worker, and I suppose they would be well placed to tell them what courses are coming up. And I think there's a calendar of events that's sent out to parents regularly, but, you know, there's so much stuff comes at parents that they might have missed it. But again, yes. definitely if a parent is interested and says, and I think my child, you know, is a bit, you know, doesn't really, isn't that confident using, say, you know, folders and in, in subjects for school or different things like that, and they could benefit from that, then by all means just make contact with your local IT worker or the local children's worker and they will get you linked in like. Very good. And of course, one of the things that everybody's doing at the moment, and you kind of alluded to it there as well, is that we're kind of trying to find new ways to work. That that leads to some interesting kind of experiments at times, doesn't it? Even in terms, I know you were t um, mentioning about um, orientation and mobility, um, just even looking into yeah. how that might be applied. Yeah, I've been involved in, in a project and it has been a very interesting project. And I suppose arising from this, uh, the first lockdown in March, I was asked with a few other staff to look at the feasibility of providing virtual orientation and mobility training. Um, and arising from that, we got, we researched it online, what was being done around different, different areas around the world, what kind of equipment did we need? So we, um, Basically, what it involves is we've done a few tests with a number of service users, service users who are agreeable to do it, um, where the service user would wear a, a smartphone, usually an iPhone, um, strapped to a chest harness that they wear, and it live streams video footage of their environment to somebody like me who would be logging in remotely through my laptop, so I can see through my laptop exactly what their their cameras picking up as it's angled ahead of them to pick up curbs and steps and all of that. And then they would wear a pair of bone conducting headphones, which would enable me to communicate with that person, but also maybe to pick up for them to communicate with me and maybe to pick up some background sounds as well from traffic and things like that. So we've done a couple of trials with that and I suppose it definitely has potential. And I think as the technology develops, it will be one of the tools for the future. Um, what we found so far is that really because of things like you're relying with the video, you're relying on a network signal, a consistent network signal, at times the video is very clear, other times it becomes very blurred, um, yeah. sometimes the audio will cut in and out a wee bit. So we yeah. found that for the moment you need a support person, um, either a, a trained person or a family member would acknowledge to support the person on the ground in case the technology would fail or whatever. I suppose our criteria would be that the person's safety is is, is the primary thing and we have to be 100% certain of that. But it, I do think it has, it's been very interesting and I think it has potential. I, I just think the technology needs a bit more development, but it yeah. definitely is a tool for the future. So is that something that um, is being kind of offered widely around the country um, or is it still in a sort of fairly controlled sort of um, 
testing kind of it's uh, still in it's still stage. very much in a, in a controlled testing uh, kind of a pilot project on a very limited basis and we chose a number of service users who would be in different parts of the country who would be very competent either you know using a cane or a guide dog or whatever um to you to, to test it out and one of the staff members would be the support person and then just the three staff members involved so the other two would then log in remotely and provide the instruction um so we've done a number of tests and i suppose we have to feed we're in the process of feeding back to management to say what we feel as people who, who provide mobility training what we feel in terms of the potential of this. And I suppose what we feel at the moment is that it needs further development. I think if it was that we could be 100% certain of it, I think yeah. probably our NCBI would be interested, but they'd have to be certain that it was 100% safe and it was a technology was going to, you know, it wasn't going to be patchy or whatever. It needs to be consistent for yeah. to safely provide instruction to somebody. You know, it's, it's a putting them out in a real life environment. You really have to have it 100%. Very good. Well, it's certainly interesting to to hear about those different um, ways that you're trying to complete the, the work that you're doing in in this kind of environment as well. It's interesting to hear about them and it's uh, nice just to get a, a bit of a chance to to chat to you as well today. Thanks for joining us, Seamus. Well, thanks that. very much for having me. I appreciate it. Very good. So certainly you'd have to be yeah, you'd have to be very versatile to be able to to meet all those different needs. So that's certainly um, something that we'd uh, we uh, can see with Seamus's work there the versatility is is important and actually versatility is a nice kind of theme if you like for moving on to our next part because we're going to talk now about the connect 12 device often many of the devices that we look at have one particular standout function and it does that one thing really well it's kind of like a specialist almost but the connect 12 is, is not quite one of those it's an excellent device but it's actually a lot more versatile and to talk about that today we have regular panelist daniel dunn and also back with us is hillary devlin you're you're very welcome to the show thanks a million thank you thanks you thanks very much so Tell us a little bit about what the Connect 12 actually is. What does it do? Um, I suppose the Connect 12, right, is primarily a low vision aid and it's an Android based tablet with uh, specialist apps loaded on there by the manufacturer. And in addition then to the tablet, obviously everybody's familiar with tablets that they have their own cameras. Um, but what makes the Connect 12 a little bit different is it has its own steel foldable frame and it also has an optional uh, external distance camera that uh, can be sat on top and used for you know distance viewings for so stuff off in the distance because it comes with um a 25x optical um zoom camera so it's, it's it's quite a sharp camera for um zooming in and stuff that's that's you know quite far away so um you know from that point of view being used in let's say in a meeting setting or a classroom setting it's 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 quite a handy and versatile tool um you know for that and then obviously with the camera then that's on the tablet itself and because it's on a frame it allows you to put in pages of text or small items i suppose even underneath that if you wanted to work with you can magnify those up and also has yeah. this clever built-in ocr function which can read a page of text uh, bring the text lift that up onto the screen and you can manipulate that text and even listen to it played back aloud so um that's okay. i suppose the handiest way of describing the connect 12. yeah 
So it's it's clearly more than just a, a magnification device. Obviously, the distance viewing and the and the close up magnification as well is, is a big feature, but it's more than that. It is, yeah. Um, as it's a it's an Android tablet, um, so I suppose what I've touched on there is maybe just the apps that are built in, known collectively as Prodigy. Um, yeah. But you can exit the Prodigy and you can get out into the full Android system, and that gives you access to your full suite of apps, you know, that you'd be familiar with, such as your Gmail, your Google Chrome, and you can you have your Play Store there, so you can start downloading additional apps and all that. So the world's kind of the limit. Um, beyond the Prodigy in a, in a sense as well, that you have a full function tablet uh, outside of yeah. the Prodigy. Yeah, I think that's what attracted me to it. Sorry, Jude, I think that's what attracted yeah. me because I'm an Android user. Um, so, it you know, I didn't have to learn anything hugely new from, from the tablet point of view. Um, everything yeah. just synced so well. So that, that was one of the big, one of the big draws for me um, to, to start using the Connect 12. Yeah, very good. And that that would be quite important to a lot of people, I think, yeah. to, be able to yeah. have that kind of foundation, that it base is. before you get using it. It, it does, and, and particularly maybe for people who are, you know, dual users, uh, you know, maybe the, the bounce between Android and back to a laptop again, or even across to iOS, um, you know, let's say it likes your Google Drive, your cloud storage there, means you can bring your files with you from device to, the, to device, and, you know, even the photographs that you take, let's say, on an Android device, they can, they can be synced via the Google Photos app, and you can access them back on, on your laptop after, yeah. so you can bring your stuff you know quite seamlessly across all the different platforms that are out there brilliant very good so what we might do at this point just to kind of give even more of a an idea of exactly what the connect 12 can do daniel's prepared a, a video giving us a, an overview of the connect 12 so we'll have a look at that video and then we'll we'll chat to hillary and daniel again a little bit more afterwards So today on the NCBI Labs Live event, we are going to take a quick look at the Connect 12. Connect 12 is a low vision aid by humanware. And while it is primarily used in an educational setting, it also has its place in the workplace, which Hilary and I will discuss later on. So what do you get? Well, the Connect 12 is comes in this frame, metal frame. It's a tablet, an Android tablet. And we just open it up. And we'll take a look at it. In addition, you get the distance camera. And we'll show you these now put together. So this is the Connect 12, and the frame has been expanded out. And as you can see, the distance camera is there on top. So we'll switch it on now, and we'll take a look at what's on the tablet. So with the Connect 12 switched on, we are brought to the start screen of the Connect 12. And we have the magnifier uh, as the default app. And we'll give you a quick tour of the magnifier. So we select that there. And we have some text uh, from a page that's physically inserted underneath the Connect 12 on the lower platform. So what we're going to do now is we're going to align the page 
and get all that text on the screen. Oh, we'll just bring that over to here. And you can get a little buzz when it's correctly aligned. So we'll just bring that up and we long press on our screen. And it takes a snapshot of that. Yeah, and at that point we can tilt back down our screen and it processes all the text on the page. So there is our page of text. Uh, we have options then we can save and edit the uh, page or we can listen back or we can zoom in on the page. So we'll just do an example of the listen back. function and uh, you have the option to listen back on that. You can also increase the size of the text by using the standard pinch and zoom and it does the word wrap as well. So you're not going left and right and you can just scroll up and down the page accordingly. If you don't want to listen to it, you still have the option to scroll up and down the page. So that's the magnifier function there is a whole host of extra functions that you can go in and uh, animate and take notes on the page as well so we'll come back out of there and um, we can save that we can save the file and we come back out again and we go to our gallery and that is where all our images are stored and that we have copied our snapshot is in there. So there's our image. It takes the first word of the page and assigns the file name, but obviously you can change those file names if you want and move them into folders in the gallery. So just to look at that again, there is our document from earlier on. And it remembers where we were reading. There's a little highlight left on the word where we can continue on from reading. So the next thing we're going to take a look at now is the distance magnifier. So next we'll take a look at the distance camera. I've powered on the camera at the top of the device. And we'll go in here and it now connects. So we're going to take a look at a screen that I've set up here. Just get that centered up on the page and we'll use our zoom in function. So basically what I have is a large screen TV there on the wall and I have connected a laptop to it with some sample text on it. And as I zoom in, then I can move my camera left and right to read that text. This is a little sample of how good the distance camera is. Quite a good autofocus on there as well. So I'll just zoom in a little bit further. So 
screen is about uh, two to three meters away. So, so it really allows me to zoom in right on there. Quite a good distance camera. It's 25 optical zoom. And obviously if you want a snapshot, you can. And that gets stored into the gallery like our magnification earlier does. So it just takes a couple of seconds to download after taking a snapshot. We'll come back out now. And you can hear the camera automatically shutting down to save its battery. The battery life in that is about one and a half hours to two hours, but you do have the option of buying a separate battery pack if you need longer. So you can just swap out the battery and go again. Now we'll flick over to the Android side, a little gesture there that if you place five fingers on the screen, uh, it'll return you to the Android. And you have the familiar Android layout screen, which are apps, your Play Store. And one particular app that we like is the Blizz. So if we open up Blizz here, um, I have Blizz running on the laptop that's connected to the screen that we've seen on the distance camera earlier. And what we're going to do is we're just going to join a meeting. So the laptop will give you this code and I'm just going to join that. And there is the text from the laptop and it's coming directly through to the tablet shared via the Blizzard. Now this works through the internet, so you've got to have good Wi-Fi in the place where you have your Blizz app running. So again, it kind of bypasses the Connect Welfare camera in a sense. So you would probably leave uh, the distance camera for something that's not been sent to a screen by a laptop. So you have the full zoom feature on the Blizz app. And also you have the option to snapshot. You can turn this on in the Connect 12 options. It places this little camera icon in the very bottom left. And that snapshots and stores that in the memory of the Connect 12 that you can look at it later on. So that's a little uh, sample of the Blizz app. And we'll leave it. And we are returned then to our apps on the Android side of it. So that's just a quick overview of some of the functions of the Connect 12 from its magnification onto uh, pages where you have the distant camera that can zoom up stuff that's far away, or you can use the Blizz app as well in certain situations where somebody is given a presentation that they can broadcast that directly to your tablet uh, via the Blizz app. And that Blizz app will also work on another laptop. It'll work on an iOS device as well. So you have plenty of options with Blizz. So that's a quick overview of the Connect 12. And we'll return back to the panel for a discussion. Very good. So that gives us a good sense of what the Connect 12 is able to do. And uh, we're able to hear the, the voice as well as it was uh, as it was reading back to us. So it gives us a good uh, sense of how that works. So just there, it, it was uh, very clear that obviously it is the 
the Android tablet, as we mentioned just before the video. Um, does that mean that it can do everything that a, an Android tablet can do? Um, certainly, um, Jude, now most things that uh, an Android tablet can do, um, because it is customized, uh, the version of Android that's on there is going to be a couple of editions behind, I suppose, what's, um, you know, uh, out on mobile phones. So most apps will work. Um, I think it's Android 6 or Android 7 that's running there on on the Connect 12. So any apps that run on that uh, version of Android will, will most definitely run. Um, with ease, yeah. Yeah, very good. And um, and Hillary, we might just get you to, I think you're on mute again. Um, so why would this be better than say, having a, a separate tablet and CCTV, for example? Um, sorry, Jay, can you hear me okay? I had some problems with I my can, connection. Yeah, yeah okay, my apologies. Um, basically for me anyway, it's, it's convenience. Um, you, you, from the video, um, Danny will have described how it folds up into a, a metal stand that doubles as a carrier. So really, it's although it's a little bit heavier than a laptop, it is as as flat and neat as a laptop, and the handle makes it really um, easy to carry. The camera is small, but it's so it's not like you know you can just pop it in the side of your backpack. It's not like carrying a massive amount of equipment around yeah. with you. And really, that's why it appealed to me. I have um, a separate wireless keyboard, and again, that's teeny tiny um, and it just slips in behind it in, in, in your bag. So it's just all in one, really. That's what that's what appeals to me. Yeah, yeah, very good. Um, so that would presumably then mean that, I mean, education is a, is a big place where we would use the Connect 12 or recommend the Connect 12 a lot of the time. Um, but that would mean uh, the versatility that you mentioned there would mean that it could be used in a number of different environments then, couldn't it? I think I, I, I when, when I saw it and demonstrated first, you know, I was like, this is it for me. This, this mm. just like was it because, um, because I move around a lot and I even more so since I've had the Connect 12, I work in, I work in Children's Hospital, Temple Street in Crumlin. Um, so, you know, you're moving from an office to a clinical setting. I can just pop the tablet out, you know, carry the tablet with me into the eye clinic when I'm meeting a doctor, photograph whatever I need, write down whatever I need and um, bring it back to the office setting. Um, if I'm in a meeting, connect up with, you know, have the, no, I don't use Blizz and <laughs> Daniel has it, has um, educated me there, I was behind, yeah. but, you know, having the presentation as a person with, with low vision, it was a, one of the most frustrating parts was, you know, not being able to follow along in a, in a, in a PowerPoint presentation. So, you know, being able to do that without there being any fuss. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know anybody else in a working environment that uses it, but I absolutely love it. <laughs> it's brilliant for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you can you can see why with uh, yeah. some of those features that you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I do use a laptop as well, though, just to say that I do use both. Um, and that's just kind of come about um, really with the way things work during during COVID. But I use I do use them both side by side. And because they're both, they, they, as we were talking about earlier on, they connect grand to each other. There's no issue. Your Gmail account, they just things flow across. No problem. So it's easy peasy. Yes. Yeah, very good. One of the 
questions that just comes in uh, about the um, kind of some of the display settings. Um, are you able to change the display settings so that you can have like invert colors or high contrast black? Um, I have it. I have. Yeah, I have it reversed, though. I have white on black. I never know which way that's called. <laughs> I have yeah, the opposite yeah. way that, that Daniel had it anyway. <laughs> so there is. Um, right you're dead right there, um, Hillary. There, there is um, options there to go in and change. This is within the Prodigy apps themselves. So uh, you can customize the colors. And um, because my end of it, I know, Hillary, you're using it from a workplace uh, point of view. I've, um, I suppose, assisted people who are going to school and in particular in primary school. And it's amazing, you know, little girls love going in, oh, there's pink and blacks and everything. And they can and, and they go right down through all the colors. And, you know, the pinks and the purples yeah. are are yeah. definitely used there. They love it. So there is, um, in fairness, there's this huge amount of color options in there that, that you can choose from. Excellent. Yeah, very good. So again, you've got that extra feature in there that makes it even more versatile as well. So yeah. just finally, is, is this one of the most sort of popular solutions out there for these kind of environments, work environment, school environment, or are there other similar devices out there that would work just as well? Um, yeah, the, there is there is other um, devices out there. There's a Windows based one that's called the Mercury 12. Uh, that's quite popular as well. Um, and, you know, so you have you have the full Windows operating system. I think they use a Surface Pro. Um, that's out there as, as well. In the workplace environments, um, you know, there is there is different devices as, as well. So you know, it's 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 all down to personal circumstances and what you know what works best for the person in the situation they're in. But there are yeah. you know there are plenty of devices out there. The Reveal 16i is another one that's quite similar to the um, to the Connect 12. It's um, a bigger version, um, but it does have you know the apps, the Prodigy apps on there as well. It does does similar stuff too. Um, just yeah. just one thing, I suppose, I didn't get to cover um, in the video because obviously we had a short amount of time on it Jude is yeah. there's so much more that that um, that that prodigy software does like um, you know I'm thinking of it as well as from a classroom environment you know a teacher comes along with an A4 handout sheet and you know just at real basic level two plus two write your answer in the box but when you yeah. take a snapshot of that page you can actually go in there and either type you, you know four is your answer or handwrite number four is your answer right in and that okay. then you can go back to the gallery and send that as a pdf back to the teacher via email you know it's 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 very, very you know it, it's very capable in how it can do and you can import yeah. pdfs into it as well so there's a lot lot goes on there on on that software yeah Excellent. So if somebody was kind of thinking of um, getting one device to cover a number of functions, this would probably be the one. It definitely will be an option. Definitely. But I'd say to everyone, um, you know, try to try out the different devices that are out there. Um, I know under COVID, as was COVID going on at the moment, it's hard for, for um, our service users to get in and, and see us and all that. But, um, you know, back before COVID hit, like we, we'd have places where we sh where we show all the different devices that are out there in the market. Connect 12 is, is just one, albeit a very good one. 
Yeah, very good. Can I say one thing, Jude, as well, just from a working yeah. point of view? I think as well, it's something that can move with you um, from a different, from one working space to another, because I was primarily office based and now I'm based in a hospital. And as much as the hospital try, it's not like working in NCBI where you standard A4 print and you don't really use handwriting. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm dealing with medical files where, God, you know, you've got consultants writing all kinds of no offence, but scribble, you know, and being yeah. able to put, you know, be able to magnify that is a game changer for me. So I suppose that's yeah. just something I meant should have said earlier on is being able to magnify written text is brilliant as well. because yeah. You obviously can't have it speak back to you, but you can make it bigger and make it like make it easier for you to access and, and just trying to do it with a handheld magnifier. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, very good. Just, now, one of the things that probably a lot of people would want to know about, we're not, I'm not sure if we can give a, a very specific answer to this because the variety of configurations and things like that, people probably want to know just a rough price range, if we got a, an idea, a rough, rough price range. Yeah. It's depending on the spec, Jude, um, because there's, you know, there's different, there's different bits that you can get with or, you know, yeah. or not with it. Um, you know, I suppose the best thing to do is is get in touch um, with your local yeah. NCBI trainer, who can you know maybe narrow down what kind of spec would suit you, and yeah. then quote based on that. I think that would be that would be the best um, you know way of addressing the price because it's, it's there there are different configurations available. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it is one of those where that is kind of quite important because of the different configuration configurations, even with the distance camera and things like that to be mm. added into it or or uh, if it's needed or not. So all those sort of things obviously will be individualized for the for the person. So just uh, contact your your local NCBI labs trainer if you want to get a price on that. So thanks very much to Daniel and to Hilary. Appreciate you going through the Connect 12 there. It certainly is a really useful piece of equipment. Uh, so thanks very welcome. for talking Thank you for having me, Dave. Thank you. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks, Jude. Thanks, Hilary. Good to have you again. Great. So now, as we mentioned last week, we're going to have a weekly quick tips section and it's going to be a, a regular feature of our shows going forward. So this week we're going to have some tips for fans of Siri as well as quite a useful one for Windows users as well. And JP and Daniel are going to be covering this week's quick tips for us. So what do you have for us this week, JP? Yeah, hi Jude. So yeah, that's right. Uh, so there are some pretty uh, noticeable changes to uh, Siri in iOS 14 that I thought we could mention this week. Um, now there's a few to, to, to mention, but there's one I'm going to focus on um, specifically, which is sending audio messages using Siri. Um, just for anyone who uses Siri quite regularly, there might be interest in some of the other changes that have been made. Probably the biggest change to Siri in iOS 14 has been its new uh, compact interface. So whereas in the past, when we would have activated Siri, it would have taken up the whole screen on the iPhone or the iPad when it was activated. Now it's displayed as an orb at the bottom of the screen. So the idea here is that it allows like, a sighted user to use other apps uh, on the device while Siri is active. Um, just to briefly go through some of the other changes people might be interested in. Um, for example, it can cover, it can, it can, what you can do with the new version of series that you can share your ETA, has a share ETA feature. And that can give you the option to share your estimated time of arrival with your contacts using Siri. This works with uh, Apple Maps. Uh, there were several improvements as well to Siri translation. So that's something that you can you can still use with Siri for. You can translate text. There are improvements, but it's worth pointing out that there is a new dedicated translate app 
that works better for kind of conversational translation. Um, there are also some just general improvements in series, series knowledge. So apparently there's 20 times as many facts available now as there were three years ago. So it's always expanding on that. Um, but yeah, one of the most kind of useful features uh, that was brought in, as I mentioned, is, is audio messaging. So a lot of people who are using Siri will often use Siri to dictate messages um you know i think i, I do that myself and it works, works very 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 well but this is not this is kind of a, this could be a really useful alternative to that it's always good as well i think if you ever use siri to dictate a message and maybe it hasn't been quite interpreted as you'd expected you know yeah. Uh, yeah. so it improves the accuracy of the message being being delivered yeah. uh, just to very quickly run through the steps it's, it's quite straightforward First thing we need to do is to activate Siri. So we launch Siri on your iPhone, either through the home button or whatever button you press on your iPhone, depending on what iPhone you have, or we can just say, hey Siri. And then we say, send an audio message to a contact in your address book. So you say the name of the contact, or you can say a certain number. Um, that's how it works. Next thing Siri will ask us to do is it'll say, okay, recording. So we begin to speak. Uh, so Siri will then transcribe a speech and then it'll stop recording after a moment of silence. So when we stop speaking, then it'll 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 stop the recording automatically. And yeah. finally, what we can do is we can tap uh, send or choose play if you want to hear it back. So obviously, if you're a voiceover user, you double tap the send button or choose play, uh, double tap the play button to hear it back. So we have the option at this point to play it back to make sure it sends okay. And then we can go over to the send button and then we can double tap that to send it. Really useful feature. Just a couple of little points. Uh, a faster way to use it, obviously, would be to say, you could say, hey Siri, send an audio message to, and then you say, say the name of the person uh, on who you want to send a message to. Uh, but I should also point out that um, that you can actually send these messages to Android users as well. So it's not just iPhone to iPhone. So if, if you have an iPhone and you have a, a friend who's using an Android phone, uh, you can yeah, use it yeah. as well to send a voice message to them too. Okay, but it's still it's still running through kind of its own messaging as opposed to through like WhatsApp or something. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it is yeah. indeed. Very exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's a nice feature. Very good. So you don't have to kind of install another app or anything like that. No, exactly. You don't need to install anything else. Just a feature they've just released. Yeah, on iOS fourteen. Yeah, very good. So that's a really handy one yeah. um, in relation to Siri. Yeah. So now I think uh, Daniel has has one as well in relation to um, Windows and using Windows. There's kind of a bit of a problem that sometimes comes up in mm. in Windows more recent versions. Daniel, I know you've prepared a, a video on this, which we'll look at in just a second. What What's the issue that sometimes comes up? <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm particularly, um, you know, for somebody who maybe is is starting out in Windows or just getting used to it, and it, as you're going through, let's say the File Explorer, um, it could, you know, by accidentally hitting the delete key, it can just delete a file for no reason at all. So, um, yeah. yeah, we'll just play the the video. Sean has laid up there. Thank you for joining me. So today we're going to take a look at the file delete confirmation box in Windows. In the recent versions of Windows, uh, Windows 10, Windows 8, uh, this has been disabled. So if you accidentally were going through File Explorer and you hit off that delete key, you would not know that the message has been moved to the recycle bin. So let's take a look at that. Folder view list. This PC2 of 22. 
So I'm going to scroll down to my test files that I've created here on the desktop. Team viewer set up team view the BFG test file 121 of 22. And if I hit my delete key, it's just gone to the recycle bin without any warning or message. So just to show you that again. This PC2 of team the B test file 221 of 21. And again, I've been VDA screen reader going here. And again, there's no announcement or anything like that. So your files can be accidentally deleted. So how would you work around this? Well, if we go to our recycle bin. Recycle bin four of 20. And I'm just going to go in there and restore the two files that we've deleted. Recycle bin window, items view list, test file one not set, ribbon tabs tab control. So I'm just going to restore all the items back. Recycle bin dialog. Are you sure that you want to restore all of the items from the recycle bin? Yes button or plus. Recycle bin window. Items view list. So I've restored the two files that I've deleted and now back on the desktop. So I am going to close my uh, recycle bin. Desktop list. Recycle bin 4 of 22. And what I'm going to do now is bring up the options for the recycle bin. So I'm going to go Shift F10 on the recycle bin. Context menu. And I'm going to go down to the properties. Open, a, open in MTDs. Create short. Rename M. Properties O. So I'm going to choose the properties of the recycle bin. Recycle bin properties dialog. General property page. List. OS. C. Space available. 236 gigabytes. One of one. So that's just telling me that my recycle bin is located on the C drive, the hard drive. But I'm going to tab a couple of times down to a checkbox option. Setting maximum display delete confirmation dialog checkbox not checked or plus D. So the display delete confirmation dialog box by default in Windows, this has been left unchecked. And what that means is when we accidentally delete a file, we're not getting saying, are you sure you want to move this file to the recycle bin? So I'm going to simply press space on this. Checked. And that checks that box for me. And then we're going to tab down to our OK button, okay button. and accept that. Desktop list, recycle bin four of 22. So now if I return to my test files here on the desktop, and we delete them again, let's see what happens. T -t -t test file 121 of 22. Delete file dialog. Are you sure that you want to move this file to the recycle bin? So test file one type, text document size, zero byte state modified, zero nine slash eleven slash two thousand and twenty nine fifty six availability status available on this device. Yes button or plus Y. Okay, so if you can remember the last time when we tapped the delete button, we did not get that confirmation of deleting the file to send it to the recycle bin. So the dialog box now appears, reads out the file name, the type, the size, and the date modified. And um, we can say yes or no to that. So we are going to say yes to that. Desktop list. Test file to not selected 21 of 21. And again, I'm going to tap the delete key. This PC, Daniel Dunn, this test file to delete file dialog. Are you sure that you want to move this file to the recycle bin? Desktop list, unknown. There you have it. That's how to bring back the file delete confirmation dialog box. And if you are not using the screen reader, you can also activate this by simply moving the mouse cursor over the bin. Right recycle context menu, open O. Empty oh. Recycle Bin B. Go recycle to the properties. Bin 
Display delete confirmation dialog. Make sure that that display delete confirmation dialog box is ticked and then just OK. OK on that. Desktop list. Recycle bin 4 of 20. So thank you very much for joining me today. And that's a little tip on the file deletion confirmation dialog box. Very good. So that's a really useful tip as well to be able to uh, make sure uh, that you've got a bit of a safety net there if you if you're deleting files it might be something that you kind of expect to see but if you don't have that coming up that's a great little tip to to use so a couple of great tips there in relation to using windows devices or using siri as well and uh, we'll have more great quick tips for you from the team next week as well. So don't forget to get in touch. Let us know what you'd like to hear tips about, what sort of, uh, what platform that you're using, what devices you're using, and we'll try and uh, adapt our quick tips to, to what is most useful to you. Now, screen readers are one of the most well-known pieces of accessibility software, and one of the leading screen, screen readers that people use is JAWS. JAWS is excellent at stop. It's a very reliable way of navigating a desktop or a laptop computer if you have no vision, but there's a bit more to it than that. And this week we have Joe Lonergan back with us to talk to us about two very useful features, Screen Shade and Picture Smart. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to first of all just listen to a brief video presentation that Joe's prepared for us and then we'll have a chat to Joe afterwards. Hello and welcome to this demonstration. Today I am going to talk about a couple of features built into the JAWS screen reader, uh, screen shade and picture smart. For these screen readers um, features to work, you will need a more up-to-date version JAWS 19 or 20. Screen shade, first of all, is a feature that allows you to work on your computer but have a a screen shade over your screen, um, similar to the screen curtain that people may be more familiar with, which is available in the Apple devices such as the iPhone and the iPad. So how do we turn on screen shade? Well, we use a layered keystroke. A layered keystroke is two keys followed by another key. So it's insert and space followed by F11 and that toggles it on and off. So I'm going to do that now. Space. Screen shade on. So as you can see, my screen has gone black or dark. Um, also another good uh, reason for doing this is it reduces the layer. It does not help with battery life um, according to Freedom Scientific. So there's other reasons you might need it is um, you might want more privacy when on a public transport, maybe you're on a train or a bus using your uh, laptop or you might be in a public place and you could be typing in pin codes or uh, you could be viewing your transact your banking transactions things like that so that's a really good feature and uh, i use it a lot so another um, feature we're going to talk about today is picture smart i'm going to leave the screen shade on while we're doing the picture smart and then i'll turn it off at the end to see to reveal what kind of picture we um, see is picture smart doing a good job so uh, i'm going to um Go to my camera roll. Window D. File Explorer. Explorer. I don't this box. C. C. Camera roll checked. 5 of 28. Pictures checked. 4 of 28. 
See camera roll check. Five enter. Camera roll not check. Five of twenty eight. So camera roll not check. Gonna wait for that to load and then I'm gonna press end. 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 Wait to zero to zero zero. So end. I'm at the end now, and I, uh, that's my most. I'm going to end because that's my most recent picture that I've taken. So this is a bit blind photography. So we'll see how it goes. With zero, with zero, 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 I'm going to do uh, the layer keystroke. The keystroke for picture smart is another layer keystroke. So it's insert in space, space. followed by P, P picture smart. then F for file. Picture smart is in progress. And it tells us that picture smart is in progress. So it's sending the picture to the internet to be analyzed. And hopefully it's going to come back and let us know what's in this picture. This can also be useful if you wanted to verify pictures and before you put them into a PowerPoint slide, or maybe just out of curiosity, you want to see what's in the picture. So it's still. Heading level two caption is a couple of long chairs sitting on the side of a building. Heading level four, this object probably appears in the photo toy vehicle. Heading level three, these acts describe the photo backyard, building, grass, ground, outdoor. Heading level three, these acts probably describe the photo house, playground, yard. Heading level three, these acts possibly describe the photo chicken coop, garden, lawn, plant, play, shed. Heading level three, this act vaguely describes the photo hand cart. Hand cart. So I'll turn off the screen shade and see what the picture looks like. Space. Screen shade off. Enter. Hand cart. Heading level three, this act vaguely just escape. Land. With zero to. With zero enter. Photos. With zero 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 seven zero. It's supposed to be a picture of a log cabin, um, with certain things, kids' toys outside it and plants, and it's supposed to got some of the some of it right. So okay, four. Uh, camera roll. I don't do multi selection. We'll try another one. With zero 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 seven zero. This is a picture of a housing estate. So here we go. Space. The picture smart. Picture smart is in progress. It takes a little while, approximately a minute, to um, come back and give us the results. So we're going to wait patiently. Heading level two caption is a car parked on the side of the road. Heading level four is text appears in the photo array. Race zero five six one seven two five one six three sale read. Heading level four these objects probably appear in the photo car flower pot. Heading level three these acts describe the photo asphalt, grass, lane, outdoor, public space, road, sky. Heading level three these acts probably describe the photo infrastructure, parking, parking lot, plant, road surface, sidewalk, tree, vehicle, waste container. Heading level three this act possibly describes the photo way. Well, that was an excellent. Um, description there we got um we even found out one of the houses was sale agreed and there was cars in the picture and a roadway and some grass so as you can see it could, it could be a very useful um feature for you and um it can only get better thank you very much so thanks for covering those features joe good to have you back on the show with us as well some some very useful features there thanks very much Judy. um yeah, very useful. Uh, it does come in handy uh, sometimes, especially in this world where uh, a lot of things have gone picture based with um, the rise of Instagram and Facebook and things like that. Um, and also it's good for verifying pictures, as as I said there already. Yeah, yes, very good. So so um, I guess there's still kind of development going on with some of these sort of things. Is there any improvements we can expect in JAWS 2021? Yeah, so um, JAWS uh, 21 is um, due out soon. Usually this time of year, they release the um, update. So we, um, in the beta release, they said we can expect um, it to gather its analysis results from more um, services. So at the moment, it's um, taken its um, AI from Microsoft. So they're going to 
use um be able to drag information from more services probably from maybe google and um could be uh facebook things like that so they're going to be able to, there's going to be a little link on it called um, more results and uh, it will allow you to gather more artificial intelligence so give your it'll give more description to your pictures um yeah. there'll be also a keystroke for doing that so as I said, it's a, it's a layered keystroke, so you can memorize it. Um, it's two keys followed by another shift space and P. And if you forget any of the um, keystrokes involved in PictureSmart, you can do shift uh, or no, sorry, ins sorry, it was insert space and P. I made a mistake there. Insert P space and P. But you can follow that by a question mark, and it'll give you more. It'll give you more um, uh, keystrokes. Very good. Uh, yeah, and um, as I said, the screen shared as well. And that, that's still, that'll still be available, and it's it's, it's also very useful. I, I know some yeah. people that suffered from even the screen layer. Um, it doesn't give any layer off the screen, so that's 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 quite good. Apart from the privacy, uh, the um, it gives you more privacy as well. So yeah, that's interesting actually, because I was I was going to say how widely used are these features likely to be? Because there will be some settings, for example, screen shade, if it's not saving your battery you might need privacy ne necessarily but uh, that's a that's an interesting application just talking about the glare as well yeah it's it yeah the glare definitely i, I know a lot of people that that can't read um text but depending on their eye condition they still get affected by glare fairly badly like you know especially if you're working on the computer eight hours a day i know i, I get affected by it sometimes even though i can't read print um so that that's that is a good use for it, and um, I said uh, the, the privacy feature, and uh, as well goes along with it. But um, yeah, it's it's just one out there for hopefully it'll help a few people, you know. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, very good. And yeah. and even that idea of using a device when you're on uh, when you're on public transport or anything like that. Not that at the moment anybody can be nearby us or we can use public transport too easily, but certainly something for for when we're back into that routine again. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, knowing yeah. those kind of privacy features are important. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and Jaws, Jaws twenty one. When when Jaws twenty one does come out, um, it does have a few more features as well. There's there's going to be a, an assistant involved uh, called. Um, it's actually going to be called Sharky. It's it's probably not going to be as as uh, like Alexa, but it, it, you will be able to talk to your computer and uh, ask it for um, keystrokes and ask it for to open certain part of the settings and stuff like that. So if you forget anything like this uh, using any of these keystrokes, that that'll be quite useful. So I'm looking forward to the new update and um, looking forward to testing it and seeing seeing how it goes. Interesting. Yeah, well, we'll look forward to seeing how that works and we'll uh, maybe mention that on a future live event as well when we get a chance to check that out as well. So thanks very much for going through Picture Smart and Screen Shade and what we can expect from JAWS 2021 as well. Appreciate that, Joe. No problem, you. Thanks. Now, finally this week, we're going to take a look at one of the questions that came into labs this week. We mentioned last week that we're, we're going to um, have a section put aside on our show for tech help if you want to get any particular questions answered on our live events you can send us through an email and we'll try and cover them on our next live event now this week's one comes from tony sweeney and actually he has a couple of questions maybe we can get our panel to to just comment on on these so the questions that tony asks just on the, on the back of last last week's quick tip i think um he says 
what is the iPhone gesture for copying a full page on the iPhone, on the phone? Yeah, well, uh, what you do there, Jude, is you turn the rotor till you got to edit, and then you'd swipe up to select all, and then you double tap, and it would select all text on the screen, and then because text is selected, the context menu automatically opens on mobile apps, so it'll be like copy, share, paste, etc. So you'd swipe until you got to copy and double tap, and that would okay. copy the page. So if you're on Safari and you turn the, the rotor to edit and swipe up to select all, it'll select everything on the page. Very good. So that's that's quite useful. Um, so it's not a specific single kind of gesture, but just a couple of steps just to, to know yeah. um, to get through that. Now, that's different from a uh, screen capture, is it? Yeah, it's, it's just basically select all. Um, mm. While well, we're, we're a sighted person would, you know, press and hold a word and then expand the box to highlight the page. Yes. Uh, or use a context menu to select the entire page. This is, you know, you're turning the rotor till you get to edit. You're swiping up through the edit options and you get to select all, you double tap. That'll select everything that's currently on that page or that app. If if it is selectable, not all apps have selectable text. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, when you copy that there and you go to a different uh, edit box, you, know, you can turn the rotor to edit again and swipe up to paste and double tap. Yeah, very good. So that's kind of that's understanding the text and understanding the content and being able to copy that if it's if it's selectable as you as you mentioned. Whereas the the screenshot, the screen capture is is quite different, isn't it? It's just an image. Exactly. If if that was what was meant, um, is there an easy way to just do a screenshot? Um, yeah. Um, well, on on Android, it's power button and volume down. I. I believe it's something similar on iOS. It's just escaped me now if one of the iOS users have a yeah. um, Can power I, and home button. Yeah, power and home, that's right. Power and home button, perfect. So, so hold, it, hold down the power button and the, and the um, home button and it, the screenshot will pop up on the screen and it'll give you options of what you want to do with it. You can... If you don't have a home button, it probably could be the volume down button again then. Yeah, I think so. And uh, you, you can you have options to save it to your photos or, or send it and things like that. You also have that option down the bottom of uh, Safari to share a, share a page or share the link rather than selecting all. So there's a few ways of doing it, you know. You, you, yeah. could, you, you could share the link with WhatsApp or, or mail or messages, things like that. So hopefully that answers that first question from, from Tony fairly comprehensively. Now, he also just asks, how do you bring up and copy a URL on the phone? Well, that would be the very similar. I mean, if you were in Safari and you navigated to the address bar, yeah. Um, mostly, when you navigate to the address bar, it highlights all the text. But just to be just to double check while you're in the address bar, turn the rotor to edit, swipe up to select all, and uh, double tap to select all, and then it'll give you the option to copy, paste, etc and swipe the copy, double tap and it'll copy that URL. Perfect. So largely speaking with those, um, it's it's nearly a case of just if you learn the, the technique, the process and the logic behind it, then you, you're able to do that in different environments anyway. Yeah, like the, ro the rotor is very adaptable. You can add different things to it and practicing how to use and I know Joe had tips for people who struggle with the, uh, the rotor in a previous newsletter. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's very important that you can use the rotor if you're an iOS voiceover user. Very good. Well, hopefully that's one. 
So I probably probably worth mentioning as well, too, that if, if they have an yeah. iPhone that supports back tap, they can use that feature as well. Double tap the back of their phone, take the screenshot. If they have Perfect. That. Yeah. Excellent. So that's a good one to, right. to keep in mind as well. So hopefully that answers um, your questions, Tony. Thanks very much for sending those questions in. And uh, of course, a reminder to anybody, if you want your questions answered on the show, please do, do just send them in to labs at ncbi.ie and just reference the uh, live event in the email somewhere if you'd like it covered on the show as well. And of course, that's not the only way that you get support from us. Um, if you want any other help, uh, any other support from the NCBI Labs team, you can uh, get in touch from uh, 9 to 5, Monday to Friday on 1850 92 30 60. Or again, you can email labs at ncbi.ie. And of course, if you want to avail of the NCBI services, the wider services, if you like, then you can call 1850 33 43 53 or email info at ncbi.ie. You can also make a donation to support our services at donate.ncbi.ie. And uh, if you'd like to sub sponsor one of our live events uh, to keep us to keep us going, um, then you can contact labs at ncbi.ie or uh, you can uh, let us just let us know in that email um, just that you'd like to sponsor one of the live events and uh, we'll give you any information that you need regarding that. Now, just before we go, just a, a reminder of what we'll be talking about in future live events. Next week, we're going to be talking about an interesting twist on QR codes. Uh, we'll be talking to Javier Pita about NaviLens and how it's used, what it's what it's used for. Uh, so that's quite an interesting one just to keep an, an eye out for and uh, just to discuss next week. We look forward to that. We're also going to be discussing in a couple of weeks time the Black Friday sale. Um, what's it all about? What's it what's worth keeping an eye on this year? Can you get any good deals? Uh, and is is there an accessibility kind of slant on that as well uh, that we can keep an eye out for. So we'll be discussing that in a couple of weeks. And of course, next week we'll also be continuing on with our Meet the Team piece as well. This time we'll be talking to Mary Byrne about her role in NCBI as well. A reminder that our next live event is on November 17th. So the uh, date on screen, I believe, is, is wrong. Um, so November 17th at 2.30 p.m. So that's just next week. Next Tuesday, we'll be back for our next live event. And if you want to stay up to date with what's happening on our live events and get plenty more tips as well, plenty more quick tips, plenty more information about accessible, accessible technology, you can sign up to our newsletter. And you can do that on our website, ncbi.ie, or again, you can email us at labs at ncbi.ie. So all that's left for me this week is to thank our panel today, to thank uh, Hilary and Joe for joining our regular panel as well, and to thank Seamus for uh, coming on to talk to us about the projects that he's got going as well. Uh, so we've had a, a great show to listen to this week, and we want to thank our listeners as well. Uh, and we look forward to having you back with us next week again for another NCBI Labs live event. <laughs>